Hi there, welcome back. And we're going to listen to some Midas Touch. New testimony sinks Trump in federal trial. Yeah, nine hours ago. Trump no show. It's Michael Popak, testimony. Legal AF, day testimony. five of the E. Jean Carroll case. Had a lot of bombshell testimony. As we continue in the case in chief for E. Jean Carroll, we haven't even turned to whatever defense Donald Trump plans to put on, having announced in court today through his counsel that he is not attending his own trial, that the jury will not hear from Donald Trump live in the courtroom um, to hear him deny and denounce any of the things about E.G. Carroll's claims, ones that he has no problem on social media saying that she's a liar and a hoax. Trump is indefensible and unexcusable. Please. But of course, won't go through the doors of the courtroom, swear on a Bible under oath that any of that is true or false. He's not testifying. E. Jean Carroll is testifying. She has testified strongly, credibly, authentically, and telling the truth about what happened to her that fateful day in the spring of 1996 in the Bergdorf Goodman's women's department store. There's two sections, male and female, in the lingerie department in a dressing room when she was attacked by Donald Trump. Her testimony was not only um, clear and convincing, um, and should tip the scales in her favor with the jury on a preponderance of evidence, a preponderance of evidence standard. But all of her witnesses, so perfectly sequenced and aligned by her masterful trial team at Robbie Kaplan's firm. Uh, we've seen today, for instance, Lisa Birnbach, one of the two main corroborating witnesses for E. Jean Carroll, both lifelong friends, both uh, professional women of, of tremendous credibility in New York with the New York public. Today, Lisa Birnbach, award-winning author and journalist who puts this case away for E. Jean Carroll, I believe, with her bombshell testimony today. That testimony answers the question that Donald Trump's team has raised time and time again, which is, why didn't E. Jean Carroll report this terrible attack by Trump to anyone? She did. And Lisa Birnbach on a Bible today swore to tell the truth under penalty of perjury that in the spring of 1996, a very specific time frame, even more specific than E. Jean Carroll herself could remember, having been the victim of the trauma. Spring of 1996, in the evening, six or seven o'clock at night, within five to six minutes of the attack, E. Jean Carroll called her good friend, Lisa Birnbach, and reported in real time, while adrenaline was still pumping, while, her, while she was still dazed and confused from having her head banged up against a wall by Donald Trump and her allegations, still having a rush of adrenaline and endorphins, described to Lisa Birnbach in ways Lisa Birnbach said that even E. Jean Carroll didn't recognize as that she was the victim of that attack. About 
pulling down her clothing about attacking her. It was Lisa Burbach who testified in front of the, the jury today in riveting testimony and said, Eugene, do you know what you're telling me? You need to go to the police. And, you know, that's when Eugene said, I, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want to report or go against Donald Trump in that way. This witness did an amazing and masterful job in her direct examination, being led by Sean Crowley, a partner she is with Robbie Kaplan's firm for E. Jean Carroll. And she did a great job in cross-examination, and we finally got to see Perry Brandt. There's a new new lawyer for everybody that's playing the Trump uh, uh, civil rape home game. Perry Brandt brought in 72 hours before the start of the trial to join the Takapina and Haba team. Alina Haba, who we have, in, other than sitting at council table, hasn't done a darn thing since she showed up in court. She and I have done the exact same amount of work in that courtroom, and I'm not even in the courtroom. That's how little um, Alina Haba uh, is doing for the case. She hasn't taken a witness. She didn't do the opening. And the one witness maybe I thought she would have taken, which would have been Lisa Birnbach, they brought in Perry Brandt, the new lawyer from 72 hours ago, the Midwestern Kansas City uh, uh, guy who no, nobody's ever heard of. I'm not even sure he's ever been to Bergdorf Goodman in Manhattan, let alone cross-examine somebody about it. And, and uh, the witnesses, because they're smart, because they're honest, because they're telling the truth, looked the jury and Mr. Brandt in the eye and said, I'm here because... What happened to my friend happened to my friend, and she's telling the truth. And I know she's telling the truth because she reported it to me five to six minutes after it happened. And she asked me not to talk about it ever and again. And as friends, I had a loyal bond or oath with her, and so I didn't until 2019 when she, as the victim, decided to go public with what happened to her and, and then ultimately put it into a book, mainly because Donald Trump, denied the Access Hollywood tape. Access Hollywood tape was a trigger for a lot of the women who claimed to have been attacked by Donald Trump and, and the Me Too movement that had started in or around that time. They'd had enough. And there was another witness today. So that was Lisa Birnbach. She got up and off in a very efficient fashion and, and credibly, credibly corroborated by Eugene Carroll. And the fact that she's a Democrat or... Here's an interesting twist. She knows Donald Trump. This is a small ecosystem circle of social people, and journalists and wealthy people and real estate developers that all sort of coexist in, a, in an elite ecosystem in Manhattan, especially during um, the 80s and 90s. Um, they hung out at places like Elaine's, uh, which was a big watering hole for the rich and famous, in the arts, in sports, in developers. Places like 21 Club that are no longer in New York. Those kind of, Monkey Bar, those kind of places. So, she also testified that she knew Donald Trump so well that she wrote a profile about Donald Trump and went to Mar-a-Lago and stayed at Mar-a-Lago for a couple of days at Donald, Trump, at Donald Trump's urging. That's how well she knew Donald Trump. This was before the attack on E. Jean Carroll. And so she testified about that. And that they were trying to sell books and they wanted to have that chapter 
E.G. Carroll wanted that chapter to come clean and talk, really come clean and talk about her being a victim of Donald Trump. And uh, Harry Brandt went after her with, well, I was done to sell books. She says, yes, E.G. Carroll's a writer. That's how writers make money. In fact, E.G. Carroll wasn't even on that book tour. She had taken ill, was in intensive care or in critical care around that time. So she wasn't even the one on the book tour. It's one of the reasons the book didn't do that well, right? So then you have, what's the next witness up? They could have had Carol Martin, a longtime beloved newscaster in New York for CBS News, local CBS affiliate. She's, she was also a friend in and around that time with, with E. Jean Carroll. And she's going to say in and around the spring of 1996, the same thing was said to her by E. Jean Carroll. Right? That's as good as a diary. That's as good as a, writing in a diary. This is what happened to me today. You tell two close friends who are credible, authentic people, who are professionals in their own right, who take the stand and tell the truth. That's what happened today. And then they brought in Jessica Leeds. This is a masterful sequencing of witnesses by E. Jean Carroll's lawyers. Because some lawyers would have gone for the, you know, the easy play. And after Lisa Burbach brought in Carol Martin, to say almost the exact same thing, but no, we're going to bring in Jessica Leeds just to remind the, the jury what, what was said in opening about this is Donald Trump's MO. This is his modus operandi. He attacks women without their consent, of course, kisses them, gropes them, and does other really bad things to them. Fist and that Carol was not the first. He fisted her. The last after 1996, and there were others, uh, as indicated by the uh, Access Hollywood hot mic tape with Billy Bush. It hasn't even been played yet for the jury, other than mentioned in opening. Jessica Leeds took the stand. She's a stockbroker who had the misfortune of being upgraded from economy class to first class to sit next to a person she did not know back in the 80s, Donald Trump, who then proceeded, this is her testimony today, under oath, to grope her under her shirt and kiss her and try to kiss her. A woman he did not know. Um, and to her uh, credit, she said, and this is the headline in the New York Post over Rupert Murdoch today, that Donald Trump, it was as if he had 40 zillion hands and they were everywhere on her person. An assault and a battery. She was cross-examined. You might think, well, maybe they went with the Midwestern guy the more soft-spoken guy to handle the cross-examination of Jessica Leeds. Nope. They went back to Joe Tacopina. Joe Tacopina, who is, who is playing a playbook that maybe worked in the 80s or 90s when you try to blame the woman, but doesn't work today. It is backfiring in his lack of dignity in asking the questions, in his mansplaining, in his acting incredulous, in his false... Uh, emotions towards her. Why they're having him cross-examine these women of courage and valor, I have no idea. They saw what happened with his cross-examination of E. Jean Carroll. Why not trot out at least Alina Haba, give her a shot? Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next sponsor, Neurohacker Quality of Mind. One's willpower and productivity can in turn transform your life habits for the better. From workouts to job performance to life goals. Throughout the course of a workday, we here at Legal AF are tasked with a ton of different assignments to ensure we keep you informed. 
That's why we're so proud to partner with Neurohacker Quality Mind. Our sponsor, Neurohacker, combines 28 of the most research-backed nootropic ingredients on Earth into the ultimate brain fuel formula, Quality of Mind. And it's been changing people's lives for years now. For help with my daily out for an extra 15% off your first purchase. That's neurohacker.com slash legalaf to try Quality of Mind with code legalaf to experience life-changing mental performance. But one of the major problems for them is that Donald Trump isn't watching. These are not televised. These are not videotaped. They are not even available to the parties. Video presentation. There's transcripts, but transcripts are dry and often don't completely capture what's going on in the room between lawyer, client, and jury. That only comes from being in the room, smelling what is happening, watching what's happening. Donald Trump doesn't get the benefit of that. Because he chose not to attend his own trial. And so he doesn't really know how bad Joe Tacopin is doing. You know, he's not reading independent media analysis and legal analysis like this one, or what we do on Legal AF. You know, he's in he's getting it from Newsmax and Fox News and the and the bootlickers around him. So he doesn't really know what's going on. So like, oh sure. Who's gonna do uh, you know the woman who says I groped her on the plane? Joe Tacopin. Oh, that's good. Bulldog Joe, let's go. Went terrible. Because, again, this was a moment in her life that she'll never forget. That was seared into her memory. And she testified credibly as a, as a stockbroker, as a person, as a woman, to the jury. This happened to me. I am not lying. I am under oath. Donald Trump groped me with what felt like 40 zillion hands on my body. Joe Takapina asked her... It, wasn't he just trying to pick you up like some 70s or 80s, like picking up in a bar? She said, no, he, he attacked me. That's not a pickup. She also testified that she saw him on two other occasions because she was at a, a, charity, a charity event at another department store in New York, Saks Fifth Avenue, and ran into him and his wife and that he pulled her aside at some point when he recognized her and said, and get ready. Lean in for this hot tick. He said, according to her testimony, oh, I remember you. You're the C word who sat next to me on the plane. I'll let that land on the table here. Does that shock anyone that Donald Trump used the C word or the P word or any of the other inappropriate misogynist, misogynist words about women? That was her testimony. That's how she remembered it so, so vividly. Because this guy called her the C-word. And he wasn't the president of the United States then. That's the other card that they're playing for the defense. You mean the, the, the elder statesman you know, who's got an oil painting uh, with, a, with a bunch of other white guys and Barack Obama at the White House. That statesman, that president did that to you? Lisa Burtback had the best comment firing back a counterpunch today. In response to this, he wasn't a president when he attacked my friend. He was a lout. He was a real estate developer, man about town, who, 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 who harassed women regularly. That Donald Trump was who attacked my friend. I mean, that was searing, poignant, and a counterpunch that was like, a, if there was a referee there, that was a knockout. That was a KO for Lisa Burnback. And Jessica Leed, same thing. Yeah, he called me the C-word. It's obvious why. Because 
she fought him off and then went public with her statement. He even attacked her right out of his playbook at a rally while he ran for president. Another one of those, she's not my type. Right? As if that's a defense. A, all of these women were obviously his type to sexually assault because he did it. B, other than whooping up your, your fan base, your cult followers, I don't really get the, the premise of that, but that was played in the courtroom today. That video clip on the backs of Lisa, Jessica Leeds' testimony was played, the attack on Jessica Leeds, just like the attack on Eugene Carroll, um, which led to the defamation case against him in the courtroom right now. So there was another testimony there today. They brought another Bergdorf Goodman executive, a male executive, who testified on behalf of E.G. Carroll about how sequestered and quiet and um, uh, discreet the lingerie section. Because just for everybody who's not shopped there, as a New Yorker, there's two Bergdorf Goodman department stores. They're across the street from each other. One's the men's section, the men's store. The other one is the ladies' store, which is on the corner of uh, 58th and 5th Avenue. And at 58th and 5th Avenue, that that one um, for Bergdorf Goodman, where women shop, you got handbags, lingerie, cosmetics, clothing, that kind of thing. Lingerie, the um, executive said, is sort of like by itself and quiet and alone. It's not a place that's teeming with people. It's more of a destination location. Like people go right, you know, they'll go just to lingerie for lingerie. And, and not a lot of men go to lingerie, as you can imagine, especially in 1996. And so he testified, you know, basically led, lending credence to this, you know, preponderance of the evidence, which is the standard, more likely than not, that in a spring of 1996 in the evening, during evening hours, there were little or no people. There could be little or no people in that area for lingerie. When Joe Tacopina in his opening and throughout the course of the trial makes it sounds like, you know, it's in the middle of like Walmart, you know, the food, the food grocery section of Walmart the day before Thanksgiving. And how incredible that would be that there'd be no people there. Right. And if she got attacked at, at, at Joe at, at uh, Walmart the day before Thanksgiving in the grocery section, I would agree with you. But she didn't. She got attacked in her testimony in the sequestered area, the quiet area of a women's shop in the evening hours in the spring in the lingerie section where if there's two women in that section to begin with, that's a lot, let alone on this particular day, totally blowing out that other defense, which is how could it possibly have happened and nobody would have heard it. So another on day five, another incredibly powerful day in support of E. Jean Carroll. This jury of nine people, six men and three women, are standing at attention for this case. The reporting is that they are riveted. They don't take their eyes off of E. Jean Carroll or her witnesses. And bad for Donald Trump and his lawyers, they don't even bother looking at Joe Tacopina when he's cross-examining or Perry Brand or anybody else, which usually signals as a trial lawyer that they're lo they've lost the jury. That's my impression. It, body language says they've lost the jury already. Jury science says that juries make decisions like this one very early in the case. Opening statements, maybe the first witness like E.G. Carroll. They've already made their decision up, made their mind up. They're not supposed to.
they're supposed to listen to the facts and apply it to the you know apply the law to the facts, make their decision. But they're human beings, and that's what happens. So, just to show you to end the hot take, where I think they've lost the jury, is that the jury laughed with, not at the judge today when he cracked the joke at Joe Tacopita's, actually Perry Brandt's expense. Perry Brandt, sort of like creaky tin man, you know, having not probably tried cases recently, moving, you can, you know, it's like a magician where you can see the wires, you know, you can see everything, you can see how the lady's being sawed in half, right? They sawed him in half. All the, all the female witnesses in this case have been sawing them in half. But you could see he was so ham-fisted in transitioning into his question, he said out loud to the judge, I'm going to use this burn box uh, involvement with you know Democratic causes or Hillary Clinton or whatever uh, uh, for bias. And the judge said, you think? Like that, like, like, really? And the jury laughed. The jury laughing with the judge. Look, the judge is the funniest guy in the room. When he controls their day-to-day existence while they're in a jury, okay? So let's just put it that way. But he's not that funny. And that looked to me like it was at the expense of the uh, of the lawyers, just as, you know, when the judge brought up the issue of Joe Tacopita not being able to take a satire when it was handed to him. When E. Jean Carroll testified that she didn't really want to send every man in the world or the United States to Montana for retraining. But wasn't that a good modest proposal, you know, which comes right out of satire, Jonathan Swift and, and a modest proposal that we all learned about in seventh and eighth grade. And the judge to start trial on day four said, I won't bring up satire again because I don't want to make you upset <laughs> to, to Joe Tacopino, which led to some more chuckling by the jury. They've lost this jury is my point. We're going to keep following. There's at least four more witnesses for E. Jean Carroll. She's got a couple of psychological uh, doctors. We're going to talk about emotional trauma and other trauma, uh, medical damages, psychological damages, money damages. There's an economist who's going to testify. Carol Martin is going to testify, the long-standing and well-respected television journalist um, who also corroborates what was told to her at or about the time of the attack. So she's yet to take the stand. Access Hollywood tape is yet to be played. And then, I mean, they're going to be reading and showing video of Donald Trump in his deposition under oath. The best of the cross-examination of Donald Trump. The other side gets to show some other clips. And then the defense, I, I mean, I should, the defense will be, you know, the plaintiff will rest. The defense will move yeah. for another mistrial. Or for a, or a, 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 what's called the judgment, notwithstanding the verdict from the judge to take it away from the jury, which will be denied. And then the judge will say, what witnesses do you have? And um, I think they have one. Uh, they don't have their economist. I think they have one. I think they have a psychological witness. And then they're going to play some tapes from the video, and then they're going to rest. And this is going to get to the jury. It may get to the jury Friday. It may get to the jury Monday, but I'll follow it the way I'm doing right here on these hot takes, which I do about every day on cases at the intersection of law and politics, so politically charged cases. And we do it also on a show that I founded, co-founded, co-anchor called Legal AF on the Midas Touch Network also on Wednesdays and Saturdays where we curate the top five or so stories from the week that we think you should know.
know at the intersection of law and politics. If you like what I'm doing, you can comment on the hot take. I may, I may talk well, about thanks for joining me on the show tonight. Ha- what's happening. Give a thumbs up. It helps keep my content coming to you uninterrupted. And you can follow me on all things social media at MS Popop. This is Michael Popop from Legal AF Reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Good job, Lord Michael. See here. See what other people say. Trump is indefensible and inexcusable. Should have been locked up in the nineties. It really sucks that uh, did any of the women he attacked go to the police? Well, considering there are like 28 other uh, rape allegations, sexual assault, um, there must, there must have been, I mean, to have a case, you must have pressed charges, I think. Um, anyway, hi there, welcome back. I'm thinking maybe I should look a little deeper into all these rape and sexual assault cases against Diaper Don. Rico racketeering influence and corrupt organization act case. Um, other people said Trump calls E. Jean Carroll a liar, but hold on a minute. What self-respecting woman would choose to go through this current ordeal if the entire accusation was spurious? Unlikely. Exactly. I appreciate your take, Michael. I hope Eugene gets justice. Unfortunately, most women have had these types of experience, and the Me Too movement is still digging up buried stories. Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein, Lover, and Trump are perfect examples of above-the-law abusers who need to be held accountable. Proud of you, Eugene, care for standing up to a monster. If the preponderance of evidence is a standard guiding the jury, Trump has been buried under an avalanche of damning, incriminating testimony. He's toast. <laughs> How can anyone think he's a good candidate for president of the USA? Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing as a woman in my early 70s who was molested and physically abused by an older brother, a friend of his, and a babysitter's father. I know how difficult and downright useless it was to tell anyone about these matters. All it was likely to get you was shame and nothing changed. If anything, it often made matters worse with my brother who got me in a chokehold to subdue me. 
I worried far more about dying than being raped. Traumatic experiences. Thank you for um, my guess is that Trump's attorneys are glad he won't be on the stand. Trump can't stop confessing to his crimes. Having been abused as a child, I never talked about it until I was almost 40. I learned that most of the time no one believes you, and other times the victim gets blamed. Opening up and talking about it is almost as hard as going through it again. It takes a lot of courage to do what E. Jean Carroll is doing. Yeah. for having period I Period. Of course, he denied it and blamed me. Exclamation point. Um, blame the victim. Uh, periods I reported about it. Pima Sheriff's Department.
So anyway, I confronted my convicted sex offender brother for having molested me when I was a kid. I confronted him in front of my mother who told me she had been concerned at the time because she, he was rough with me. He was, he was rough. Of course, he denied it and blamed me. Blaming the victim is how these psychos operate. I reported it to the Pima Sheriff's Department. And I reported him for taking an eight-year-old across state lines and trying to... that a family friends Yeah. Pam Sheriff's fucking useless. Just noticing that, so uh, now on YouTube, I'm uh, Trista for Prez. Yeah, I confronted him in front of my, in front of, uh, my mom because I uh, wanted a witness to trust him. Fucking liar. Pathologist like Trump. Fucking pathological liar.
And uh, you tried to blame me. Anyway, so uh, thanks for um, 137 or something like that. Let's see, Coke Pop, 137k. Uh, Taco Penis, Witnesses. Aging, hyperventilating, professional women of of tremendous credibility in New York with the New York public. Today, Lisa Birnbach, award-winning author and journalist, who puts this case away for E. Jean Carroll, I believe, with her bombshell testimony today. That testimony answers the question that Donald Trump's team has raised time and time again, which is, why didn't E. Jean Carroll report this terrible attack by Trump to anyone? She did. And Lisa Birnbach swore on a Bible today, swore to tell the truth. Thank you, Lisa. penalty of perjury. Thank you, Lisa. That in the spring of 1996, a very specific time frame, even more specific than E. Jean Carroll herself could remember, having been the victim of the trauma. Spring of 1996, in the evening, 6 or 7 o'clock at night, within 5 to 6 minutes of the attack, E. Jean Carroll called her good friend, Lisa Birnbach, and reported in real time, while adrenaline was still pumping, while her while she was still dazed and confused kind of from having her head banged up against a wall by Donald Trump and her allegations, just still having a rush of adrenaline and endorphins, described to Lisa Birnbach in ways Lisa Birnbach said that even E. Jean Carroll didn't recognize as that she was the victim of that attack, about pulling down her clothing, about attacking her. It was Lisa Birnbach who testified in front of the, the jury today in riveting testimony, and said, Eugene, do you know what you're telling me? You need to go to the police. And, you know, that's when Eugene said, I, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want to report or go against Donald Trump in that way. But this witness did an amazing and masterful job in her direct examination, being led by Sean Crowley, a partner she is with Robbie Kaplan's firm for E. Jean Carroll, and she did a great job in cross-examination, and we finally got to see Perry Brandt. There's a new new lawyer for everybody that's playing the Trump uh, uh, civil rape home game. Perry Brandt, 
<laughs> brought in 72 hours before the start of the trial to join the Takapina and Haba team. Alina Haba, who we haven't, other than sitting at council table, hasn't done a darn thing since she showed up in court. <laughs> she, she and I have know, done the exact same amount it. of work in that courtroom, and I'm not even in it's the like courtroom. like a parking lot lawyer. That's how little um, Alina Haba uh, is doing for the case. She hasn't taken a witness. She didn't do the opening. And the one witness parking maybe I thought she would have lawyer. taken, which would have been Lisa Burpock, they brought in Perry Brandt, the new lawyer from 72 hours ago, the Midwestern Kansas City uh, uh, guy who no, nobody's ever heard of. I'm not even sure he's ever been to Bergdorf Goodman in Manhattan, let alone cross-examine somebody about it. And, and uh, the witnesses, because they're smart, because they're honest, because they're telling the truth, looked the jury and Mr. Brandt in the eye and said, I'm here because what happened to my friend happened to my friend, and she's telling the truth. And I know she's telling the truth because she reported to it to me five to six minutes after it happened. And she asked me not to talk about it ever again. And as friends, I had a loyal bond or oath with her, and so I didn't. Until 2019, when she, as the victim, decided to go public with what happened to her and, and then ultimately put it into a book, mainly because Donald Trump denied the Access Hollywood tape. Access Hollywood tape was a trigger for a lot of the women who claimed to have been attacked by Donald Trump and, and the Me Too movement that had started in or around that time. They'd had enough. And there was another witness today. So that was Lisa Birnbach. She got up and off in a very efficient fashion and, and credibly, credibly corroborated Eugene Carroll. And the fact that she's a Democrat or... Here's an interesting twist. She knows Donald Trump. This is a small ecosystem circle of social people, journalists and wealthy people and real estate developers that all sort of coexist in, in an elite ecosystem in Manhattan, especially during... Um, the 80s and 90s. Um, they hung out at places like Elaine's, uh, which was a big watering hole for the rich and famous, in the arts, in sports, in developers, places like 21 Club that are no longer in New York, those kind of, Monkey Bar, those kind of places. So she also testified that she knew Donald Trump so well that she wrote a profile about Donald Trump and went to Mar-a-Lago and stayed at Mar-a-Lago for a couple of days at Donald, Trump, at Donald Trump's urging. That's how well she knew Donald Trump. This was before the attack on E. Jean Carroll. And so she testified about that. And that they were trying to sell books and they wanted to have that chapter. E. Jean Carroll wanted that chapter to come clean and talk, really come clean, and talk about her being a victim of Donald Trump. And uh, Perry Brandt went after her with, well, that was done to sell books. She says, yes, E. Jean Carroll's a writer. That's how writers make money. In fact, E. Jean Carroll wasn't even on that book tour. She had taken ill and was in intensive care or in critical care around that time. So she wasn't even the one on the book tour. It's one of the reasons the book didn't do that well, right? So then you had, what's the next witness up? They could have had Carol Martin, a longtime beloved newscaster in New York for CBS News, local CBS affiliate. She's, she was also a friend in and around that time with, with E. Jean Carroll. And she's going to say in and around the spring of 1996, the same thing was said to her by E. Jean Carroll. Right? That's as good as a diary. 
That's as good as a, writing in a diary, this is what happened to me today. You tell two close friends who are credible, authentic people, who are professionals in their own right, who take the stand and tell the truth. That's what happened today. And then they brought in Jessica Leeds. This is a masterful sequencing of witnesses by E. Jean Carroll's lawyers. Because some lawyers would have gone for the, you know, the easy play, and after Lisa Birdbach brought in Carol Martin to say almost the exact same thing. But no, we're going to bring in Jessica Leeds just to remind the, the jury what, what was said in opening about this is Donald Trump's M.O. This is his modus operandi. He attacks women without their consent, of course, hisses them, gropes them, and does other really bad things to them. And that E. Jean Carroll was not the first or the last after 1996, and there were others, uh, as indicated by the uh, Access Hollywood hot mic tape with Billy Bush. It hasn't even been played yet for the jury, other than mentioned in opening. Jessica Leeds took the stand. She's a stockbroker who had the misfortune of being upgraded from economy class to first class to sit next to a person she did not know back in the 80s, Donald Trump, who then proceeded, this is her testimony today, under oath, to grope her under her shirt and kiss her, and try to kiss her, a woman he did not know, um, and to her a credit, she said, and this is the headline in the New York Post over Rupert Murdoch today, that Donald Trump, it was as if he had 40 zillion hands and they were everywhere on her person, an assault and a battery. She was cross-examined, and you might think, well, maybe they went with the Midwestern guy, or the more soft-spoken guy to handle the cross-examination of Jessica Leeds. Nope. Went back to Joe Tacopina. <laughs> Joe Tacopina, who was who was playing a playbook that maybe worked in the 80s or 90s when you try to blame the woman, but doesn't work today in his backfiring, in his lack of dignity in asking the questions, in his mansplaining, in his acting incredulous, in his false uh, emotions towards her. Why they're having him cross-examine <laughs> his women of courage and valor, I have care. no idea. They saw what happened with his cross-examination of Eugene Carroll. Why not trot out at least Alina Haba? Give her a shot. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next sponsor, Neurohacker Quality of Mind. One's willpower and productivity can in turn transform your life habits for the better, from workouts to job performance to life goals. Throughout the course of a workday, we here at Legal AF are tasked with a ton of different yeah. assignments to ensure we keep you in news, local CBS affiliate, She's, she was also a friend in and around that time with, with E. Jean Carroll. And she's going to say in and around the spring of 1996, the same thing was said to her by E. Jean Carroll. Right? That's as good as a diary. That's as good as a, writing in a diary. This is what happened to me today. You tell two close friends who are credible, authentic people, who are professionals in their own right, who take the stand and tell the truth. That's what happened today. And then they brought in Jessica Leeds. This is a masterful sequencing of witnesses by Eugene Carroll's lawyers. Because some lawyers would have gone for the, you know, the easy play, and after Lisa Birdbach brought in Carol Martin to say almost the exact same thing. But no, we're going to bring in Jessica Leeds just to remind the, the jury what, what was said in opening about this is Donald Trump's M.O. 
This is his modus operandi. He attacks women without their consent, of course, kisses them, gropes them, and does other really bad things to them. And that E. Jean Carroll was not the first or the last after 1996, and there were others, um, as indicated by the uh, Access Hollywood hot mic tape with Billy Bush that hasn't even been played yet for the jury, mm -hmm. other than mentioned in opening. Jessica Leeds took the stand. Him. She's a stockbroker who had the misfortune of being upgraded from economy class to first class to sit next to a person she did not know back in the 80s, Donald Trump, who then proceeded, this is her testimony today, under oath, to grope her under her shirt and kiss her and try to kiss her. A woman he did not know. you think this will... Um, and to her a credit, she said, and this is the headline in the New York Post over Rupert Murdoch today, that Donald Trump, it was as if he had 40 zillion hands and they were everywhere on her person, an assault and a battery. She was cross-examined, and you might think, well, maybe they went with the Midwestern guy, with the more soft-spoken guy to handle the cross-examination of Jessica Leeds. Nope went back to Joe Tacopina. Joe Tacopina, who was, who was playing a playbook that maybe worked in the 80s or 90s when you try to blame the woman, but doesn't work today. It is backfiring in his lack of dignity in asking the questions, in his mansplaining, in his acting incredulous, in his false uh, emotions towards her. Why they're having him cross-examine these women of courage and valor, I have no idea. They saw what happened with his cross-examination of E. Jean Carroll. Why not trot out at least Alina Haba? Give her a shot. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next sponsor, Neurohacker Qualia Mind. One's willpower and productivity can in turn transform your life habits for the better, from workouts to job performance to life goals. Throughout the course of a workday, we here at Legal AF are tasked with a ton of different assignments to ensure we keep you informed. That's why we're so proud to partner with Neurohacker Qualia Mind. Our sponsor, Neurohacker, combines 28 of the most research-backed nootropic ingredients on Earth Congrats. into the ultimate brain fuel formula, Qualia Mind. And it's been changing people's lives for years now. For help with my daily mental performance and help supporting my long-term brain health, these are not videotaped. They are not even available to the parties. Video presentation. There's transcripts, but transcripts are dry and often don't completely capture what's going on in the room between lawyer, client, and, and jury. Transcripts available. That only now. comes from being in the room, smelling what is happening, watching what's happening. Donald Trump doesn't get the benefit of that because he chose not to attend his own trial. Question mark. And so he doesn't really know how bad Joe Tacopin is doing. You know, he's not reading independent media analysis and legal analysis like this one, or what we do on Legal AF. You know, he's in. He's getting it from Newsmax and Fox News and the and the bootlickers around him. 
he doesn't really know what's going on. So he's like, oh, sure. Who's going to do, uh, you know, the woman who says I groped her on the plane? Joe Tacopino. Oh, that's good. You know, Bulldog Joe. Let's go. Went terrible. Because, again, this was a moment in her life that she'll never forget that was seared into her memory. And she testified credibly as a, as a stockbroker, as a person, as a woman, to the jury. This happened to me. I am not lying. I am under oath. Donald Trump groped me with what felt like 40 zillion hands on my body. But Takapina asked her, wasn't he just trying to pick you up like some 70s or 80s, like picking up in a bar? She said, no, he, he attacked me. It's not a pickup. She also testified that she saw him on two other occasions because she was at a, a, charity, a charity event at another department store in New York. Saks Fifth Avenue and ran into him and his wife and that he pulled her aside at some point when he recognized her and said, and get ready, lean in for this hot tick. He said, according to her testimony, oh, I remember you. You're the C word who sat next to me on the plane. I'll let that land on the table here. Does that shock anyone? Donald Trump used the C no. word or the P word or any of the other inappropriate misogynist, misogynist words about women. That was her testimony. That's how she remembered it so, so vividly. Because this guy called her the C word. And he wasn't the president of the United States then. That's the other card that they're playing for the defense. You mean the, the, the elder statesman you know, who's got an oil painting uh, with, a, with a bunch of other white guys and Barack Obama in the White House. That statesman, that president did that to you? Lisa Burback had the best comment firing back and counterpunch today in response to that. She says, he wasn't a president when he attacked my friend. He was a lout. He was a real estate developer, man about town, who, 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 who harassed women regularly. That Donald Trump is who attacked my friend. I mean, that was searing, poignant, and a counterpunch that was like, a, if there was a referee there, that was a knockout. That was a KO for Lisa Burnback. Jessica Leeds, same thing. Yeah, he called me the C-word. It's obvious why. Because she fought him off and then went public with her statement. He even attacked her right out of his playbook at a rally while he ran for president. Another one of those, she's not my type. As if that's a defense. A, all of these women were obviously his type to sexually assault because he did it. B, other than whooping up your, your fan base, your cult followers, I don't really get the, the premise of that, but that was played in the courtroom today. That video clip on the backs of Lisa, uh, Jessica Leeds' testimony was played, the attack on Jessica Leeds, just like the attack on Eugene Carroll, um, which led to the defamation case against him in the courtroom right now. So there was another testimony there today. They brought another Bergdorf Goodman executive, a male executive who testified on behalf of Eugene Carroll about how sequestered and quiet and um, uh, discreet the lingerie section. Because just for everybody who's not shopped there, okay, as a New Yorker, there's two Bergdorf Goodman department stores. They're across the street from each other. One's the men's section, the men's store. The other one is the ladies' store, which is on the corner of uh, 
58th and 5th Avenue. And at 58th and 5th Avenue, that, that one um, for Bergdorf Goodman were women's shop. You got handbags, lingerie, cosmetics, clothing, that kind of thing. Lingerie, the um, executive said, is sort of like by itself and quiet and alone. It's not a place that's teeming with people. It's more of a destination location. Like people go right, you know, they'll go just to lingerie for lingerie. And, and not a lot of men go to lingerie, as you could imagine especially in 1996. And so he testified, you know, basically led, lending credence to this, you know, preponderance of the evidence, which is the standard, more likely than not, that in a spring of 1996, in the evening, during evening hours, there were little or no people, could be little or no people, in that area for lingerie. I mean, Joe Tacopina, in his opening and throughout the course of the trial, makes it sounds like, you know, it's in the middle of like Walmart, you know, the food, the food grocery section of Walmart the day before Thanksgiving. And how incredible that would be that there'd be no people there. Right. And if she got attacked at, at, at Joe at, at uh, Walmart the day before Thanksgiving in the grocery section, I would agree with you. But she didn't. She got attacked in her testimony in the sequestered area, the quiet area of a women's shop in the evening hours in the spring in the lingerie section where if there's two women in that section to begin with, that's a lot, let alone on this particular day, totally blowing out that other defense, which is how could it possibly have happened and nobody would have heard it. So another, on day five, another incredibly powerful day in support of E. Jean Carroll. This jury of nine people, six men and three women, are standing at attention for this case. The reporting is that they are riveted. They don't take their eyes off of E. Jean Carroll or her witnesses. And bad for Donald Trump and his lawyers, they don't even bother looking at Joe Tacopino when he's cross-examining, or Perry Brandt or anybody else, which usually signals as a trial lawyer that they're lo they've lost the jury. That's my impression. It, body language says they've lost the jury already. Jury science says that juries make decisions like this one very early in the case. Opening statements, maybe the first witness, like E.G. Carroll. They've already made their decision up, made their mind up. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to listen to the facts and apply it to the, you know, apply the law to the facts and make their decision. They're human beings, and that's what happens. So, just to show you, to end the hot take, where I think they've lost the jury is that the jury laughed with, not at the judge today, when he cracked a joke at Joe Tacopina's, actually Perry Brandt's expense. Perry Brandt, sort of like creaky tin man, you know, having not probably tried cases recently, moving, you, can, you know, it's like a magician where you can see the wires, <laughs> you know, you can see everything, you can see how the lady's being sawed in half, right? They sawed him in half. All the, all the female witnesses in this case have been sawing them in half. And you could see he was so ham-fisted in transitioning into his question. He said out loud to the judge, I'm going to use this burn box uh, involvement with you know, Democratic causes or Hillary Clinton or whatever uh, uh, for bias. And the judge said, you think? Like that, like, like, really? And the jury laughed. The jury laughing with the 